Price of Surviving Childhood Sexual Abuse, published by Joyce Kavanagh, March the 8th, 2020. Besides the sexual abuse that went on in my childhood home, the physical, emotional and mental abuse was also an everyday occurrence. Thinking about how I survived and the coping mechanisms I used has been triggered by the questions arising while we're creating our podcasts. Although somewhere inside it's very clear to me how I survived, I still struggle to understand or explain it. Was I blind to the truth? How could I be so blind to all that was happening around me? How can I say with any degree of honesty or certainty that I really didn't know what was happening to the others in my home? But in order for me to understand and explain this, I had to find myself really looking back and reliving the memories from my childhood. Now I can say, not only did I know my father was abusing my sisters and beat my brothers, I had actually witnessed it. Now that's not very easy to understand or explain, even for me. So here's the contradiction. Although I witnessed a lot, I also genuinely believed that I knew nothing about the abuse taking place in my home. I had to really look at my ability to disassociate and compartmentalise what was happening in my home. Only now, at this stage of my healing, can I see why and how I was able to remove myself from any situation that I read as unsafe and then convince myself it never happened. I'll attempt to explain how I did that in the hope that it help another victims of childhood sexual abuse understand themselves. Imagine your home as just one very large room and all of your family are in that room. When I close my eyes and go back in time, I can clearly see my brothers are sitting at the table eating their dinner. My mother is pottering away cleaning in the kitchen. My younger sisters and brothers are playing a card game on the floor. And my dad, as usual, is shouting at the TV as he watches a football match. Everything seems fine on the surface, and I'm sitting there trying to do my homework on my lap. Then my father suddenly stands up and clicks his fingers. I freeze. It feels like I've lost my sight. Everything goes blank and very quiet. I can hear nothing. When I realise he's not directing his attention towards me, I focus on getting out of that room. I can see the door and I know exactly how many steps I have to take to reach it. Everything else around me disappears except for a few sounds in the room that somehow I can still hear. I focus on getting to that door. Nothing else matters. I'm still aware of my father's movements and I can hear the sound of him smacking one of my brothers as he passes him. And then I can hear him shouting obscenities at one of the other brothers. I'm aware of his movements as he nods for my sister to go upstairs where he will rape her. My attention goes straight to my heart. It's beating so fast. My throat is so dry and I'm shaking like a leaf. I'm terrified and I know I have to get out there. It's not safe here and I cannot allow myself to see what's happening around me. I have to get out but everything feels like it's moving in slow motion. It takes forever for me to reach that door. I can't breathe and all I think is I have to get out. Based on my present understanding and how I survived on a daily basis, it's fair description of how I handled this trauma. Once outside that door, I managed to completely block out what was happening inside the home. I usually joined some of my friends that were playing on the road and I just got into whatever they were doing. And slowly my heart would calm down. The disassociation allowed me to leave my fear behind and carry on playing like I was normal. The compartmentalization allowed me to hold on to the belief that I saw and heard and knew nothing. 
as by now what I witnessed was already stored somewhere in the back of my head. The weight of what was happening was far too heavy for me as a child to comprehend or deal with and both of these coping mechanisms allowed me to live in a bubble where I was the only one that my father was abusing. I also believed I deserved his abuse and it happened because of who I was or something I had done or said. It's obvious to me now that the guilt and shame remained at me even though I disassociated and compartmentalised memories. It was even more confusing because I'd no known reason to explain these feelings. I could only conclude I was inherently bad. I understand the power of the body to protect us from what's perceived as imminent danger and our mind's ability to deny and hide away traumatic events it feels will harm us. That's what I did, but never consciously. I also believe what I did to survive is exactly what happens to most victims of childhood sexual abuse. As a child, all I ever wanted was to be loved. Sadly for me, regardless of how badly my father abused me, I still was able to convince myself that he did love me. I was so innocent and naive and I believed every word he said. I didn't know until much later in my life that he deliberately isolated me from my family so we would never sit and have conversations or confide in each other. I feel such a deep sadness at times because the tools I used to protect myself became the biggest obstacles in getting to know myself and heal from the past. Even now, I have to consciously check in with myself in order to know if I'm hungry, tired or feeling anything at all. While sex no longer brings back painful memories, it's something that I can feel good about. The effort involved in staying connected to my body often leads me to believe it's simply not worth the hassle. Now, while I do not wish to sound negative, nor do I want others to think my daily existence is consumed with this stuff, as although the fight for me continues and is part of my everyday life, I'm blessed to have support from those around me who understand and love me and I have now developed mechanisms to help me connect. The main point is that knowing myself does not come naturally to me due to my background and the learning never ends. You've been listening to the Kavanagh Sisters blog posts. We hope that these blogs provide helpful information based on our personal views and experiences and encourage conversations about these topics that we cover. You can contact us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or directly at the Kavanagh Sisters at gmail.com.